my heart to own the story and why it's so important for us to enter into the story that was just shared spiritually before a holy God. And my preaching and exhortation today, briefly, four or five minutes, is intended to, well, you watch out for a preacher that tells you four or five minutes, right? But I'll do my best. Is to set us up for a moment where we can come to this altar and say, God, we believe the truth that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray that you're going to hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. Because it's in that moment more than anything we say to each other today out of the place of revelation, what we say to God matters most. I want to give you just a little bit of context in my own story and why I'm standing here sharing with you guys today. Over three and a half years ago at your other location before you moved to this church, I sat in a meeting with Bishop Garland Hunt, Billy Humphrey, Scott and Tammy Free, another uh, couple named Corey and um, Jade Lee, and we sat there together and in a time of fellowship discussed the racial division that was already rife in our culture and our land at that time. It was directly before the summer of 2016, and little did we know how that fracturing would deepen uh, to the degree that is present in our culture and society today. But we know the remedy for a diseased nation is a healed and healthy church, right? And the remedy for a divided nation is a united church. And so we began this journey of one race that has brought us through 40 prayer meetings, gathering churches together all across the city of Atlanta, up to Stone Mountain, where we stood where the Klan had erected a cross a year ago today and burned a cross publicly for the very first time in 1915. And we went there 55 years from Dr. King to Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech where he said the sons of former slaves would sit down together at a table of brotherhood with the sons of former slave owners. And we did that. But literally the sons of former slaves, the sons of former slave owners, broke bread in reconciliation around the table of the Lord at Stone Mountain on the Red Hills of Georgia. And it says also in that speech that from the top of Stone Mountain, let freedom ring. And we erected a cross that was draped in crimson white, led by 500 pastors, and we did that a year ago today, and I believe on that day we addressed the spiritual powers of the atmosphere, and we said a united church is the purpose of God in this city, and every place of division and every spirit of division must stop its attack upon the church and its attack upon the culture, and I believe a gate that was opened by a pastor who led that group of clansmen in 1915, a spiritual gate, was closed over our city. Right? But when the heavens are shaken, Right? And the atmosphere begins to change. How many of you know also the human heart then needs to be right? And so we went on this year-long journey to take people into understanding of where have we been historically, what has been the complicity of the church with that, and how can we own that like Daniel did. And I love the prayer of Daniel 9. It's been a theme of mine for, for over this year. You just heard it in the video clip. It's incredible because Daniel, we know, when they sought to bring accusation against him, what was it his enemies said? Nothing of fault can be found with this man. And yet when he prays, he said, Oh God, to us belongs shame of face. Right? He didn't say to them belongs shame of face. When Nehemiah prayed and Ezra prayed and these men and women of righteousness stood in the place of intercession, they didn't say, Oh God, help the sinners in the land. Right? They said, Oh God, to us, to our people, to our family, they made it personal. My family is here with me today. We've been fasting these 21 days together. My kids are 8, 4, uh, 3, and 2, okay? So you guys, we have a moment of prayer for us. <laughs> but they didn't do any eats or sweets over the last three weeks. And they did a great job. And so, but they understood we were praying for America. 
actually lived in America. That was the first <laughs> week of passing for about, about four or five days in the break for a marriage. She said, we live in America. <laughs> right? But she's learning. That that's the first step to learning that we have to own the story, right? Is that we are all Americans, right? Not white Americans, black Americans. And we are all the church, right? And so the sins of the church are our collective sins to take responsibility for in our generation, right? I want to read something from Frederick Douglass. It was one of the most provoking quotes during this season. It was the third or fourth devotion during our fast, and it stirred me because I said, this is the legacy of the church. And it's easy for us to look back on the mistakes of the past and say, oh, th those people, right? But when God sees us, he sees the generations that have gone before us, and he sees the, the iniquity of, of the land. And he wants this generation to take responsibility before that, though we may not be the responsible person individually. Though I may not have ever owned slaves, or maybe my family never owned slaves. Maybe I'm actually the, the child of the forefather, uh, 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 generationally, of someone who was a slave, right? Or maybe my parents were abolitionists. Maybe there's a checkered past of both righteousness and unrighteousness. But God is looking, his eyes are going to and fro throughout the earth, looking for ones whose hearts are loyal to him to take responsibility for the iniquity of the past and say, in our generation, we're going to own it and we're going to change it. That's good. And this is the quote from Frederick Douglass that Purdue, uh, the abolitionist and order that provoked me so deeply. He said, the slave auctioner's bell and the church-going bell chime in with one another. And the bitter cries of the heartbroken slave are drowned in the religious shouts of its pious master. Revivals of religion and revivals in the slave trade go hand in hand together. The slave prison and the church stand near each other. The clanking of fetters and the rattling of chains in the prison and the pious psalms and the solemn prayers in the church may be heard at the same time. The dealers and the bodies of men erect their, uh, erect their stand in the presence of the pulpit and they mutually help each other. The dealer gives his blood-stained gold to support the pulpit and the pulpit in return covers his infernal business with the garb of Christianity. Here we have religion and robbery, the allies of each other, devils dressed in angels' robes, and hell presenting the semblance of paradise. And I wrote, As we endeavor to know the story and change it of our nation's marred racial past and the church's marred racial past, we must remember to lament our historic complicity and reflect on the hypocrisy. But as we do that, let us consider where are the places that the church continues in false piety and dead religion? Where are the places where we have stood erect in pride and said that is not my problem to own? It's easy to condemn slave owners who profess to be Christians, but we must reflect ourselves and ask, does that same racial animus animate our actions today? And I say that obviously as a white man to a majority uh, African-American congregation today. I want to say to you, I'm here to own my part in the story. Yes, sir. I'm here to say before a holy God and before you, I am sorry for the way I and my, my spiritual forefathers and my natural forefathers have participated in a system of racial injustice, slavery, Jim Crow, separate but equal. The history that we laid out that has brought us to this present day, we're still, whether it be in synagogues or whether it be in Walmarts in El Paso, there continue to be racially motivated acts of crime against minorities in this nation. And I believe that if we want to end that violence, the church has to take its place of authority and say that sin is present because perhaps we've never owned what we've done wrong. Mm. And so I want to invite you to stand with me today. And let's go together in a moment of prayer.
prayer, I'm going to invite my wife to come lead us in a corporate prayer of repentance that we can say together that will allow us to own this story. There is power in confession. The Bible says when we confess our sins to one another, we do so that we may be healed. I believe it's similarly true today that as we confess the sins of our nation one to another and before a holy God in his presence like Daniel did. He said, oh God, to, to me, to my fathers and to my kings, to, uh, on behalf of my governmental officials, to us belong shame of faith. But the beautiful thing, the very next, it's a comma. If you read it in your Bible, it's a comma. It says, but to you, oh God, belongs mercy and forgiveness. We come with shame of faith because on the other side of our humiliation is God's lifting us up. And if we will confess our sins, God says he will heal us and he will lift us up. Would you lead us in prayer? God, we are sorry for the sins of our nation, of racism, hatred, bigotry, prejudice, and its lasting legacy of injustice. Our previous generations have transgressed, and we have transgressed by dishonoring and dehumanizing your image in our brothers and sisters. For those who have been wronged in their person and in their generations, Give them grace to heal, forgive, and grant them restoration, God. Forgive us for our sins of commission, where we have agreed with racism, and omission, where we have been silent and complacent in the face of injustice. Cleanse our hearts, God, of all attitudes that displease you. Cleanse our hands of all actions that dishonor you, and make us worthy of bearing your name in the world. Your church, one holy family for our Heavenly Father. Grant us grace to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly before you. In Jesus' name. What we're going to do now is we want to just have a time of entering into prayer together. We want to actually invite you to come into the altar.